Oof, oh man. That was quite the game. That was quite the game, and here we are. We will discuss that, preview the AFC Championship game, and some of the biggest news and notes around the NFL. Welcome into the Chiefs on Podcast. My name is Farzine Vasugian. Wow, that was quite the game. A lot to get into here. Uh, Chiefs, Texans, uh, I mean, a game that was just unbelievable in all sorts of ways. We will talk about that, the tale of two quarters, essentially, and something very fitting about that surge that Kansas City had in that football game. We'll discuss that. Also, the dude left early who is getting all sorts of fame for it. We will preview the AFC Championship game between the Chiefs and Titans. A couple of interesting facts here about this matchup against the six-seeded Titans. We'll talk about that. Also, Andy Reid's all-time record about the Titans, plus a comment he had when he was asked about it. We'll also give our predictions for the Packers and 49ers NFC Championship game. Uh, a couple of uh, wide receivers in the NFL got into some interesting trouble, and they got a bunch of text messages from you guys, so we will get to all of that on this episode. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vasugian. That is my Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Follow Zach on Twitter at ZStegna. Follow DJ at ChiefsFanChai and interact with us on social media. The number to text in, 913-808-2119. Again, 913-808-2119. Like I said, got a lot of text messages this episode. Uh, I know recently we've been trying to narrow it down to the best text, but given this is a crazy week and all, and it's AFC Championship Week, we'll try to get to more text messages. Hopefully we can get through all of them, because we've got a lot of good ones this week. So we'll get to all of those. Also, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and you share the links. As far as next week with the podcast goes, um, even though there will not be a game the following week, win or lose this Sunday for the Chiefs, we will for sure do an episode uh, next week. Obviously, it won't be a preview episode. Um... Hopefully the Chiefs win. We'll do a special preview the following week if, you, if you're if you catching what I'm throwing. But uh, in any event, uh, we'll still have an episode next week even though uh, all we have is a Pro Bowl that no one really cares much about. Joining me on this episode, uh, it's only D, uh, it's only Zach on this episode. DJ unable to make it. Hopefully, hopefully he'll be back the following week. Uh, he, he did have an interesting comment uh, when uh, we had our group chat during the game. I'll share that a little later on. But Zach is here with us all the way from good old New York City. Zach, how's it going, man? It's going well, man. I mean, of course, it goes better you know, following that first quarter, I suppose. Because, uh, oh, man, talk about a roller coaster of emotions during a game. I don't even know. Like, I mean, we'll get into the game shortly, but... I mentioned as soon as the score was 24-0, I said, okay, it's official. This is now, if the Chiefs win, it would be the biggest comeback in Chiefs history. Now, I didn't think it would happen. I was just writing a fun fact, a fun nugget. Uh, Little did we know that they'd be able to uh, overcome that deficit in one quarter. Like, like that's what's crazier, like the way the game started off or how they overcame that deficit so quickly. Honestly, like, while I was kind of shell-shocked by the way the game started out, just because, I mean, seriously, it seemed like everywhere across the board, you know, offense, defense, and special teams, it was like, you know, they the, the ball just would not stick to people's hands, whether it was, you know, Kelsey and Robinson dropping things, and then obviously the muffed punt by Tyreek or, you know, McColl, you know, struggling to field the first kickoff. It was just like, okay, seriously, we're, we're actually not playing that terrible. We just can't hang on to the football. Um, yeah. But... To, you know, uh, while that was crazy enough, I think easily the crazier part was the fact that, 
you know, I, I, I'll be honest, when we were down 24 to nothing, I didn't see us overcoming that deficit, uh, you know, that quickly at all. I mean, you know, to, to do that in a quarter was absolutely mind-boggling. Like, I was hoping that we could just overcome it at all, let alone to, you know, go into the half with the lead. Like, that was absolutely mind-boggling. Zach, you know what they call that? That comeback? They no. call it the second quarter magic in Kansas City. I <laughs> like, mean, that's true. Was, that a, you know, like, what is it with the second quarter? Like, why are we? I'm not. I'm not arguing it, but it is kind of. I mean, it's a little weird. I. I, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> uh, we have a. We have a thing for bad starts and second quarter surges this year, but. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to be arguing about that. We'll get into the game in just a moment. Uh, before we touch on that, uh, got a lot of comments from you guys, Facebook messages, tweets, uh, a lot of kind responses. Uh, obviously, last episode I mentioned that uh, the episode will be coming to an end very soon. Uh, February the 17th, the final episode of this podcast. I, I know I've stepped away from this podcast a couple of times thinking that I was done and I did bring it back. This is for sure the end of it. Um like I said, uh, I mean, Zach, you and I have talked about this, you know, obviously outside of the podcast. I mean, it has been kind of th- – this year has honestly been the hardest year um, because uh, – Because you've got to manage so those co-hosts, man. They're really yeah. a pain. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. You guys have been awesome. You guys really have been. Uh, I mean w- – I mean, I haven't told DJ this, but he knows uh, what I think of all this. I mean, even though you joined this summer and he joined during the season, uh, it almost feels like we've been doing this for a long time. Would have been a lot nicer to do for a long time. But uh, the thing is, you know, with how busy I have been with work and then this last year, I should say, my mom's health, nothing terrible to be clear, but she just dealt with a lot last year and then. Uh, at one point shortly before her surgery, my grandpa's death, like, I'll be honest, man, it did really become difficult to keep up with this podcast. It really did. Um, and and I will be doing another podcast, but the thing about that one, it's not going to be time sensitive like this. So like this one, we're doing every Wednesday nights, we're recording this and throughout the week, I'm trying to make sure, you know, putting together the rundown, all that stuff. Uh, so I'll, I'll have details about the new podcast, um, hopefully next week, uh, no promises there, I, I'll, I'll for sure give the details on that podcast, uh, it'll, it'll be, it, we'll talk some sports, but it's not just gonna be sports, I mean, we're gonna talk entertainment, news, uh, all sorts of things, and we'll have all kinds of guests, in fact, hopefully we'll do, like, a reunion with Zach and DJ on that podcast, the text line's gonna stay the same, so you can even text into that podcast, uh, but we'll get into the details, I just wanted to, uh, Send a thanks to everyone that did reach out. And like I said, 11 of the last 13 years I've done this Chiefs podcast. And, you know, now for me, it's time to step away. Uh, if they can win a Super Bowl, that'd be a sweet way to go out. If not, that's okay either way. Uh, I'm good with it. We've done this podcast forever. I mean, this is the first podcast to hit the internet. So uh, the first Chiefs podcast, I should say, to be clear. So uh, all good things must come to an end. Hey, some of my favorite radio shows and podcasts, they've all come to an end. And, I love talk radio. I love podcasts. I mean, I've got Sirius XM, all that stuff, and some of my favorite shows have, are now defunct. So it happens, unfortunately. But uh, definitely going to stay with the Somebody asked me, Zach, uh, do you listen to, like, Joe Rogan or Burt Kreischer or any of those uh, talk show podcasts? I, I do listen to Joe Rogan. I haven't listened to Burt Kreischer, though actually, as it is slightly relevant to this particular podcast, one that I've uh, kind of enjoyed more recently is Tony Gonzalez has one called Wide Open, and it's actually pretty good. Oh, I did not know that. It's a little more along the lines of, like, uh, you know, kind of the way that Joe Rogan does where he, like, interviews a bunch of people who, you know, are experts in whatever field it may be, 
Um, but yeah, kind of neat. I mean, don't get me wrong. Anytime it's you know very interview driven, you know, it's kind of hit or miss depending on uh, you know how much you like or don't love the uh, interviewer or sorry interviewee, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it's it's really good stuff, and also it's just you know kind of fun to hear one of those podcasts you know coming out of. Yeah, you know, Tony Gonzalez, who's, you know, one of my all-time, I mean, realistically, he's my all-time favorite player, so that also doesn't hurt. See, you mentioned, uh, you know, some interviews, you know, hit or miss, just depends, you know, if, if it piques your interest. That's kind of how I feel about Joe Rogan, and that's kind of how my podcast is going to be. I mean, I'll, I'll have a lot of guests on. I know some uh, journalists, some athletes, a uh, couple celebrities, not not like A-list or B-list celebrities, to be clear, but... Uh, like maybe I like mean, C so- or D, right? Yeah, uh, maybe a couple letters down, uh, but but no, I mean these are guys you're probably familiar with in some capacity. Uh, hopefully they'll come on the podcast. I'll definitely talk about my my uh, weight loss that I've had on there as well. Uh, I know a lot of people over the years have asked about that. We'll we'll discuss all kinds of things. But p- someone asked me, you know, if you're going to stop the Chiefs podcast, why are you doing a different one? Well, for one, the time sensitive thing with the Chiefs one, that's one thing. But the other part is. Um, <laughs> When you listen to so much Joe Rogan or Burt Kreischer or whatever, po- I mean, I listen. I have a lot of podcasts I listen to. I don't get to listen to all of them during the week. Like I, I mean, I wish I had all the time in the world to do so. But when you listen to so many podcasts, you're like, man, I got to keep my podcast train going in some way. And you know, I've got you know a few followers on social media and all, so I definitely want to interact with them in a way. And podcasting is a fun way to do it, but it's gonna be uh, less often, maybe once or twice a month. Like I said, we'll have uh, details on that new podcast. A little bit later, uh, but like I said, big thanks to everyone who has reached out uh, over the last week with uh, all your kind comments from uh, the announcement last week about the podcast. Uh, like I said, all good things must come to an end. One thing not coming to an end, Kansas City's playoff run. It looked like it was going to come to an end. Houston got off to a 24 nothing start in the first, what, 19 minutes and 2 seconds? Easily the worst 19 minutes and 2 seconds in Chiefs history, thanks to Charvarius Ward. Or whoever that defensive back was that just completely lost track of Kenny Stills. Uh, they fell for that bubble screen. The third down drops from Kelsey and Robinson. The blocked punt. Tyree kills fumble. Here was my thought process during that 24-0 start. I, I, I said, look, this Chiefs team does not look prepared. Like, forget about Chris Jones and all the drama that came with the basketball rumor. Which we'll touch on later on, but... Was this team not prepared? Was this team... I mean, did something happen right before the game? Like, I had all sorts of questions. Like, how the hell do you get off to a 24 nothing deficit in the first 19 minutes in a big playoff game? I wrote them off, man. I, I mean, I don't know about you. And by the way, I texted you guys in our group text, and DJ said we got this. We're, we're, it's not over yet. So props to DJ. You know, he, he, was, he was the optimist there, but... I had no realistic scenario where the Chiefs were going to come back in this. No, I was in the same same kind of boat there. I was really, uh, you know, just kind of shell shocked in a lot of ways, just because, plain and simple. I mean, yeah, when's I mean, having been a Chiefs fan now all my life, I was just absolutely thinking like, well, we always come up with creative ways to break my heart come playoff time. I guess this is a new one. <laughs> Hey, and, hey, you can't you can't blow leads this time, right? Yeah, I mean that's true. You, know, you it's hard to blow a lead in epic fashion if you can't go you know start out with one. Like this this would have been a new one if the momentum been carried on the way that it looked like it would after the first quarter. But honestly, I think that the way that it turned out is kind of almost a fitting you know way to kind of break some of that curse, so to speak. 
uh, because I mean it you know flirted with some of the old uh, you know old heartbreak uh, that you know all of us Chiefs fans have experienced in the past, and then Patrick Mahomes came out and did Patrick Mahomes things and reminded us why hey guys guess what this isn't the same old Chiefs team that's broken your heart all these years because this one has a Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahomes really has. He's never lost by more than seven points in a game. Like, in all the Chiefs losses that we've had under Mahomes, none of them have been more than uh, a possession, essentially, which is, I mean, that is insane. Like, first of all, you haven't lost a whole lot. You've lost lost four games last year, plus the AFC Championship game. You've lost four games this year. Hopefully, you don't have a fifth loss this season. Uh, And the nine losses you've had. You're you're. It's no more than seven, and obviously there's been a lot more positives than negatives, uh, at least offensively with Patrick. And even when the defense has been bad, you still found a way to win football games. So, uh, yeah, this is a much different football team. And, and you know, I guess it's proof that hey, when you're down twenty-four nothing, don't write this team off just yet. Now, if this team trails twenty-four nothing again in what week four of next year. Uh, like in the second quarter, I don't know if I'm going to have the same mindset. Yeah, sure, I'm going to remember what happened in this game, but it is hard to think that it could happen again. But if anything, I guess we've just learned with this Chiefs team, you do not write them off. Mahomes has had some epic comebacks in the fourth quarter. Obviously, this wasn't a fourth quarter comeback per se. It was more like a second quarter. Is there such thing as a second quarter comeback? I mean, I suppose they're, they're going to need to start filling up stats for that because... The Chiefs did that in this football game in the second quarter uh, in less than 10 minutes, by the way. 28 points oh, oh, in less than 10 minutes. Yeah, it was absolutely absurd how quickly that happened. Because, so, you know, obviously I'm you know out here in New York, so I wasn't able to be at, at Arrowhead for the game or anything. Um, so, as, you know, I would recommend to any Chiefs fan in the New York City area, or, you know, justifiably close, uh, I was at John Brown Smokehouse out in Long Island City which is, you know, a pretty well-known Chiefs bar. Um, you know, Tony Richardson has been known to make appearances there. Dante Hall uh, also made appearances out there. Unfortunately, he did that a week when I wasn't there. But whatever, it oh, happens. Oh, man. Bottom line, great great spot to watch a Chiefs game uh, and get some good Kansas City barbecue as well. Uh, but I was out there with a couple of friends of mine, and, you know, given that this is not a massive venue, uh, the beer line was fairly long. And so... I'm not sure what was more impressive, the fact that we scored that fast or the fact that, you know, the beer line was so long. But ultimately, when I sat down... Yeah, go I ahead. I have a question. I don't mean to cut you off. Was the beer line long because of the 24 nothing start? I think it was it, it, quite possibly in part, yes. Um, <laughs> though, honestly, it was just so crowded because, you know, we were all pretty excited. But then, yeah, I mean, trust me, the, you know, that... The, the way that that first quarter started out, like, yeah, I finished beer a little faster than I probably had planned on. So, like, yeah, I can't deny that. Um, but, you know, it was funny because, you know, the way that it worked out there, you know, we pretty much we'd send someone for just to go get beer for the table because the line was ridiculous. We didn't want to all have to wait in it. Um, so it was my turn, you know, come the start of the second quarter there. And while I was in the beer line, we scored three of those four touchdowns, the fourth coming shortly after I uh, you know, dropped the beers off at the table. So just kind of absurd at how quickly that turned. Because, uh, you know, I was, of course, sitting there you know, talking with a bunch of other Chiefs fans as I'm just kind of waiting in line. And, uh, you know, it was funny because we were all sort of shell-shocked at, you know, at the end of that first quarter and beginning of the second there. 
and we all kind of, you know, someone made the comment like, well, we are a pretty good second quarter team. And we all kind of clung to that for a second as like, yeah, yeah, we are a good second quarter team. Maybe we're not totally screwed, but I don't think any of us, uh, even the guy who, you know, first made that comment, I don't think any of us saw this coming. Uh, you know, this was next level, uh, you know, amazingness out of the Chiefs offense. Uh, and then also helped along by the fact that the Texans decided to, you know, make some mistakes themselves. I think really, you know, where it turned was that kickoff return that McCole Hardman had that wasn't quite for a touchdown, but boy, was he on his way. Yeah. Uh, it just kind of like, in, you know, provided that spark that we needed to kind of get back, get back to life there. And then, you know, fast forward to the kickoff where, um, you know, they managed to fumble it then and another quick turnaround. Like after that one, we were all kind of looking at each other like, all right, this might actually be happening. Like, I don't know what's going on here, but, you know, I'm here for it. <laughs> so hold on. I, I want to back up for a second. You, you mentioned uh, – I don't think you've ever sent me pictures of this place, by the way. Uh, it's called John House Smokehouse. Fires? Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? Oh, okay. Can you hear me now? Uh, I can now, yeah. Okay, okay. So, uh, hold on. I want to back up for a second. You uh, you, you mentioned this place, John House what's, – what's it called? John House Smokehouse? John Brown Smokehouse. John Brown Smokehouse. I don't think you've sent me any pictures. John Brown Smokehouse. Because I do want to look this up. Oh, yeah. Look them up on Twitter. Spot. You'll be able to see the... Uh, yeah, you. I, I know they posted a bunch of stuff out on social media on Sunday. Okay, yeah. Because I'm looking at their Yelp or, or whatever it is on the um, on the uh, iPhone app. Uh, the map app. Uh, so, cause I was at a Chiefs bar in Vegas and it wasn't as big as I thought it would be. It's one of those, you know, seat yourselves and it is first come first serve. It's not very big. There aren't many tables. So, and if you want to sit close to the big screen, uh, you got to come there for a, a good seat. So you said you, did you miss all 28 points during the second quarter? No. So the, the good news of this place is that, you know, standing in the beer line is actually arguably a better view of the TV just because, I mean, you know, I stand six foot two. It's way easier to see over people when I'm standing up than when I'm sitting down. Um, so I had a little better view of the screen actually than, uh, than when I was actually seated at my table. Oh, so okay. So that was good. So, oh, yeah. Right. That would have been tragic okay. to have, you know, missed all of those things. Well, I was going to question number one, do, I was going to question, do they not have a TV by the, where the bar is? And number two, do you have like the slowest bartender in the world or just the longest line ever? But no, I mean, that's good. I, I, I think was it may have been a little of both, to be fair. I, I suppose that's true as well. Um, no, I mean, that was kind of weird, uh, the way that all it all panned out. The momentum didn't just shift in this football game. It shifted rapidly. Uh, you had that terrible fake punt attempt, mm-hmm. the terrible trick plays that they were attempting, the uh, the fumble on the kickoff return that Darwin Thompson didn't know if he, he was allowed to run back with or not. Uh, by the way, did you hear Andy Reid's comment on Bill O'Brien's fake punt attempt? Yeah, and honestly, I, he, I do kind of understand his defense of it there because, I mean, it should have worked, to be fair. Were it not for Dan Sorensen, it would have worked, and it would have been you know, a pretty effective kneecapping of the momentum that we had just regained. Unfortunately for them, Dirty Dan Sorensen was back there ready to take care of business. No, he had a he had a massive game too. I mean, it really, he did a lot of great things in this football game. I guess my thing with that is, I was listening to him. And I'm like, there's no way in hell you can defend that, especially when you're backed up against your own field. Obviously, you know, Bill O'Brien's a genius of that 
idea works. Uh, but then I kind of thought twice about that. I'm like, is Andy coming from a different perspective? Because he's obviously been he's obviously been on the other side of so many of these comebacks, where I think he was like, look, I get it. He's trying to prevent a comeback from happening because you got to when the momentum shifts especially at a place like arrowhead you got to do whatever you can to keep momentum on your side um that was my thought process on that Uh, i thought that was a very interesting comment um but either way uh the texans were trying to do anything and everything to hold on to momentum hold on to the lead but unable to do so travis kelsey had a hell of a game. Three touchdowns in this game. Damian Williams had three total touchdowns. And, you know, I, I mentioned that it was fitting that Damian, or excuse me, uh, Travis Kelsey had the three touchdowns. Because uh, here's the thing. I, I, I said this on social media. The best part about this comeback is that Travis Kelsey, it, it felt like he was leading the charge. And if there's anyone that you would consider, like, the emotional leader on this football team, it's Travis Kelsey. And for him to lead the charge and have the big game down 24 nothing, I thought that was just a perfect and fitting game for him. It was the best game of his life. Oh, yeah, certainly as in his career as a chief. And the thing that, you know, obviously we didn't know at the time, but that has come out since, uh, was the fact that, you know, even when we were down 24 to nothing, uh, you know, Sammy Watkins was interviewed and uh, suggested that, you know, he was actually kind of getting down, as I think all of us, you know, if we're being honest with ourselves, were after that 24-point deficit. You know, Sammy Watkins was kind of, you know, shell-shocking a little bit himself, you know, thinking like, oh, well, I guess this is it. And, uh, you know, he then said that Kelsey came over and was like, nah, man, we can't have that. You know, we're not having that kind of body language here. We're not out of this yet. You know, pick your head up. Uh, And just kind of pulled him out of a funk right there, which, you know, I know that generally speaking, the quarterback is the uh, you know leader of your team, and obviously Mahomes did a phenomenal job of that. This isn't to take anything away from him either, but uh, yeah, the way that Kelsey was kind of able to be kind of the heart uh, of that comeback, uh, at least from an emotional standpoint, uh, I think that that certainly shows a lot more leadership from him than maybe we've seen in the past. Yeah, and you got to keep in mind he's a veteran too, and I know sometimes Kelsey can get really into it. You saw him. On Sunday Night Football a few years ago, uh, he was upset with uh, Von Miller and the referee, and he did that gesture below the waist. Remember that? He was rolling um, dice. Yeah, oh, rolling dice. You, know, they, you, know, <laughs> you never know with those things sometimes. Uh, there was also that incident against Jacksonville where you know he was upset that they weren't calling horse collar or interference penalties, and the referee threw a flag at him, and he threw his towel at the direction of the referee. Like I think Kelsey's come a long way with his maturity, and I know there was that moment this year where he and um, uh, Eric Bieniemy. I mean, they he he shoved him a little bit. It wasn't like an aggressive shove by all means, but uh, you know in the, he he kind of lets the heat of the moment get to him a little bit. But he's gotten better about that over the years. And look, he's he's the veteran, and I'm glad you mentioned the Sammy Watkins part because I read about that on social media. And it's one of those things where, you know, yeah, it is easy to be uh, discouraged with a 24 nothing deficit. I don't know if you remember this. This is a long, long time ago. Uh, Peyton Manning in a game, I recall. Uh, it was Monday Night Football, and I think the Colts were down 17 nothing. Peyton Manning was mic'd up, and they, sh- they uh, replayed... Uh, a clip of him walking up to his teammates. It, well, again, keep in mind he's mic'd up. He's going up to his teammates saying, hey, it's 0-0 right now. The score is 0-0 right now. Like, that is the kind of veteran leadership you need to exude around your teammates during a crappy moment like that when all hope is lost, essentially. 
Um, so yeah, props to Kelsey uh, on doing that kind of thing because that is what you need on this football team. One day Mahomes is going to be that veteran at, at some point in his career, and he's going to be the one to pick up his teammates. I mean, to uh, be fair, whenever, I think he definitely did. Through that. Oh yeah, no, yo, no, he did. He, yeah, he, they showed him on the sidelines, and you know, we don't know what what was said, or at least I haven't read up on anything that he had said. I'm sure he had said something. Um, but you know, uh, those are the kinds of things that you've got to do when you're a veteran. Though, I mean, you just you just listen with a bigger ear, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, I mean, that's why it was so easy for Kelsey to go to Watkins and say that kind of thing. And, and Watkins said, all right, well, I, I guess I got to shrug off the, the bad body language, so to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. D- defensively, we mentioned Dan Sorensen. I, I mean, I know he's been up and down in his career. He's been inconsistent. He he fell in a lot when Eric Berry was unavailable for the last, uh, for, uh, last year and the year before. Uh, man, he had a hell of a game, uh, as did Frank Clark. Again, a guy who got off to a very slow start. He had a career-high three sacks in this football game. And it wasn't just that, you know, after the 28-0 start, excuse me, 24-0 start, the Texans only scored seven points the rest of the game. The Chiefs outscored the Texans 51-7. to uh, And I don't know what happened to the Texans' offense. I mean, give the Chiefs' defense credit for sure, but... Watson held on to the football forever. He could not find anybody downfield, and eventually that Chiefs pass rush that, you know, took a little longer than they would like to, they still battled through, and they either sacked Deshaun Watson or they forced him to throw the football out of bounds. This Texans offense just completely lost rhythm uh, after that 24 nothing start, which was weird to see. Yeah, honestly, part of me wonders, you know, because, again, we, we've had a front row seat to some similar, uh, you know, I guess collapses. Uh, as Chiefs fans, and certainly in the Andy Reid era, you know, one of the knocks on Andy was always that, you know, he would be phenomenal right out of the gate with, you know, the first, call it, you know, 15 to 20 plays that were scripted, and he'd, you know, run up a pretty solid lead on you, and then it would kind of peter out. And I think that that, that very well may have been what happened with Bill O'Brien and the uh, Texans offense, uh, because it, from looking so good at the beginning to looking really kind of lost. Uh, don't get me wrong, I think the defense of the Chiefs definitely stepped up in a big way, especially our secondary. Uh, you know, being able to you know, hang with uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller a little bit more effectively, uh, and Kenny Stills as well for that matter. Uh, I think you know, doing just enough to throw Watson off rhythm, uh, I think it was definitely, you know, I don't want to take away from the Chiefs defense here at all. But I do think that with the way that they were just completely unable to get anything going after that, you know, 24-point uh, you know, spread there, I-, I do wonder if it wasn't a scripting sort of issue. Yeah, that you know, Andy Reid and Steve Spagnuolo have been very interesting. And I suppose Eric Bieniemy deserves some, some credit as well with how they've adjusted in football games and more so these... I mean, we hear so much about halftime adjustments, but... These have been more second quarter adjustments, um, which again is, you know, there's no, I I don't know if there's any evidence that can really help explain why this Chiefs team has been bad. I mean, they've been so bad in the first quarter, but great in the second quarter. It's it's hard to really kind of put your finger on how that happens consistently, but uh, part of me wonders if it's not just a a question of identifying what the defense is going to throw at you and then quickly adapting to it. Um, I think that, you know, 
much in the same way that the scripting of plays explains, you know, the surges in the first quarter that Andy's been known for his entire career. Part of me wonders if the approach has been more, you know, read and react, so to speak, on the offensive side. Because, you know, when you have an offense that, you know, like the Chiefs have at the moment with all the different weapons across the board and, of course, you know, the best quarterback in the league running the show, uh, you really do have the advantage of being able to kind of take what the defense gives you and, you know, run with it, essentially. Uh, So part of me wonders if that's been part of the reason for the second quarter bursts that we've seen here. You know, one thing I wrote uh, on Sunday morning in my Arrowhead Addict article, I said this Chiefs offense needs to come back. The high-scoring Chiefs offense, and not, not the you know not the one from 2018, because in 2019 during the 4-0 start, the Chiefs did score a lot of points. They were averaging more than 30 points a game. I don't remember exactly the number, but I had it written down in the uh, in the article. Uh, I think it was 33 points per game. I'm not exactly sure. But almost 34 points a game. Uh, that offense came back. That offense did come back. Uh, obviously, we mentioned Kelsey. Sammy Watkins had 76 yards plus 14 more rushing yards in this game. Um, LaShawn McCoy, he only had one offensive snap in this football game, which, you know, for all the LaShawn McCoy is going to, you know, they're saving him for the playoffs. You know, all these Twitter insiders, obviously that narrative died fast. McCoy Hardman had 11. I'm not sure why. Demarcus Robinson had 37. Now, I like Demarcus Robinson, but we haven't seen Demarcus Robinson shine in a really long time since that Raiders game in week two essentially but um you know I, I don't think there's any debate McCall Harbin needs more snaps I don't know why he's been so limited on his snaps or if it has anything to do with special teams uh Robinson he's kind of been a, a I hate to say it, but he's kind of been a, a liability on this football team offensively because you know he had a couple of drops in this game uh, and again, 37 snaps, uh, whereas McCall Hardman, you know he and Tyreek can both do tons of damage if he gets more snaps. I've gone on the record saying on social media, McCall Hardman could, could be the best pass catcher on this football team if he's given the same number of snaps with what he's able to do on the field. Uh, people have called him Tyreek Hill 2.0 since he was drafted, and we're kind of seeing why, but we're not seeing that on a consistent basis uh, what do you make of these offensive snaps that where Robinson's getting so many, but McCole Hardman's hardly getting any? Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I don't know what to make of that other than perhaps the fact that, you know, the way that it's been structured, you know, you only really need one Tyreek Hill type, if you will. But I, you know, just thinking of it from, you know, kind of a schematic perspective, I can't see how you know it wouldn't be equally beneficial to have Tyreek Hill breaking it up over the top and then you know, using that to draw coverage down the field and then carving him up underneath with McCole Hardman. I don't understand that, but I don't know. That's, I'm also not an NFL offensive coordinator, so, you know, maybe there's some reason to it that I don't understand yet, but I find it pretty difficult to believe. By the same token, I was also surprised at, you know, how much Robinson there really was. Uh, and don't get me wrong, he's yeah. not a bad receiver at all, but, uh, I mean, let's just say in a bar full of, at that point, fairly angry Chiefs fans... Uh, I, I made the comment rather loudly that uh, I can't wait until he leaves in free agency because he's the type that, you know, he'll pull an Albert Wilson and he'll I, he's going to get paid fairly well somewhere to be a number two kind of guy. Like, I don't know if, you know, I don't know exactly what sort of money he'd be getting, but he's a perfectly solid option. He's got size, he's got speed, um, and he's, you know, put up 
you know, he, he's shown fairly well in flashes, but he's, you know, not the uh, top weapon in this offense, and I think someone could take a bet on him uh, the same way that the Dolphins did with Albert Wilson. Uh, that won't shock me at all to see in the offseason. Uh, but, yeah, the, that whole bar full of rowdy Chiefs fans, we, we were all in agreement after that second drop especially uh, from Robinson. It was like, yeah, all right, we're done with you. You know what's interesting? Last year, Sammy Watkins, he, he came back from that uh, from those six or seven games where he was hurt. Uh, his comeback game was in the, in the postseason game against the Colts. And when you look at the Colts and the Patriots playoff games last year, uh, he led the Chiefs in receiving yards, and he stepped up in this football game. Now, obviously, Kelsey was the receiving leader in this one for both touchdowns and yards, but Watkins was up there as well, uh, which was definitely a, 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 a key situation for the Chiefs when they needed to start rallying and, and really just wake up, essentially, put put up some points on the scoreboard when you were so far behind. Watkins had a, a hand in that for sure. Uh, I'm really curious to see, how do you handle the snap count this week with Tyreek Hill, obviously he's your top receiver, but you have Sammy Watkins, Demarcus Robinson. Is McCole Harbin going to get more? Because we'll get into Titan, to the Titans a little bit later, but they're a good defensive team, and you're probably going to need more than 11 snaps from McCole Hardman on on Sunday. And LaShawn McCoy, he only had one snap. Uh, didn't even notice he had a snap, but we'll talk about that as well, if he could have any kind of an impact on Sunday's game. Uh, by the way, uh, Chiefs ran out of, fi- out of fireworks in this game, uh, but I suppose fans weren't really complaining about that given all the fireworks on the field. You know, they, they put up a graphic on the video board saying, hey, we apologize uh, with because of your support and the team continually finding the end zone. We ran out of fireworks. I thought, I thought that was kind of an interesting way to word all that. But then they mentioned, you know, if you if you have any complaints, file them to guest services or whatever. If you complained about that, I hope you got the middle finger. And I hope you don't go back to Arrowhead ever again. You witnessed the biggest comeback in Chiefs history, mind you, in a playoff game. And you're going to complain that they didn't have fireworks in the end. I, I, I truly hope you don't come back to Arrowhead ever again if you complain about that kind of thing. I mean, to be fair, I, I'd be willing to bet that you know, any complaints that were received by guest services would have come from people like me who would see that on the video board and think, well, of course I have to complain. Yeah. Like, obviously not serious <laughs> in any way, shape, or form, just being sarcastic and saying, um, yeah, could could you make sure to order more fireworks for next week, please? You know, we, we, we need to, you know, have fireworks after every touchdown, not just some of them. Like, you know, and also that just goes to show how unbelievable of an offensive explosion this week was because, yeah. I mean, yeah, the Chiefs, do know what Mahomes is capable of and ostensibly, you know, probably ordered enough fireworks for, you know, what was it like? Probably, I'm guessing five, six touchdowns plus pregame, postgame stuff. I'm just guessing here. I don't know exactly. But, you know, the fact that they were, you know, they ran out of fireworks because of what happened on the field, I just think that that's hilarious to me. Uh, uh, and I, I, I do hope that there were lots of, you know, you know, comments to guest services saying like, um, yeah, could you just make sure that... Next time you have enough for, like, at least eight touchdowns, please. That would be nice. Uh, someone posted a funny funny uh, uh, photo on social media. It's got, like, a bunch of UPS trucks on a highway lined up back-to-back saying, here are all the fireworks on their way to Arrowhead right now for this Sunday's AFC Championship game. Uh, you know what's interesting? Obviously, you know, there's talks that a couple of people left early. There was one guy 
who filmed himself leaving, and I guess he wanted to be the good luck charm for leaving the game. I don't know. I believe they're calling him Big Luck Chuck or Big Buck Chuck. I don't know. But yeah, he's I think making that's the... in his Twitter handle or something. He's making the rounds with the media. He's been on lo- local media. He's been on national media. I yeah, know he he's gained a lot of... Uh, what's that? Yeah, I was reading about his story in The Athletic uh, oh, okay. well, earlier this there week. You go. You know, he's been all he's over. Been... Yeah, yeah, he's everywhere. Uh, I guess he's gotten a lot of followers on social media because of this. And now he's making t-shirts and trying to sell those for the AFC Championship game. A lot of people are complaining about this, saying this guy who did essentially nothing is getting fame. And you know what? You are absolutely right in your complaint there. Yeah, he is essentially doing nothing. He just did something a little weird. Uh, He's crazy for leaving early, obviously. But you know what, man? Let's go back to uh, five or six years ago, Zach, when the Royals were in the postseason, in the World Series back-to-back years. Let's not forget something, guys. When the Royals had their run in Kansas City, and I understand some people here listening might not be Royals fans. I I get it. That's fine. But when the Royals were in the World Series, anything and everything Royals-related was news. Um, Everybody cared about this baseball team. Uh, Sung-Woo, who they did a 30-for-30. I was Mm -hmm. on that for half a second. Sung-Woo was that crazy diehard Royals fan in South Korea who wakes up in the middle of the night to watch Royals games. He became a story. There was a kid, this was not World Series related necessarily, but there was a kid who cried because uh, Alex Gordon got injured. And his mom, who happened to be the softball coach at Mid-America Nazarene University, she films her son crying, and that became a big deal. Um, you know, I remember there was um, an event, uh, I, I think that, I think it was a Justin Bieber concert at the Sprint Center, and all the Royals players took their wives and girlfriends, and Eric Hosmer, who was with Casey McDonald, who was uh, engaged to uh, former Chiefs backup Aaron Murray, I mean, those two's relationship became a big deal. Um... Look, man, I know people don't like this guy because he's getting fame, and I guess there's a lot of jealousy to go with disliking this guy. At the end of the day, when you have a team that has a potential championship run, anything and everything that might be a little eccentric or funny or weird that involves this team in any way, it's going to be news, and people are going to read about it. Just like last year. I think last year's big story off the field in re- relation to the team was the homeless man, Dave, who helped Jeff Allen uh, get out of the snow when, when he was stuck on, on his way to Arrowhead. You know, those kinds of things just catch fire uh, when the team is doing good. When the team sucks, none of this stuff exists. So if you don't want to hear stuff like this, I suppose you got to root for the team to lose. And obviously none of us want that to be the case. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, like, I, I don't have a lot of patience for the, the fans out there who are just, you know, the, the anybody who's upset about this. Like, I just think that's kind of ridiculous, to be honest with you. Like, you know, yeah, it, it's a little special interest story. Like, if you're jealous that, you know, someone got a leg up for putting out a video on Instagram, like, you know what? Find something else to complain about. There's way bigger fish to fry. Um, and, you know what? I, I do really hope that I'm, I'm not sure they're going to do it. But I do think it'd be really funny to have him bang the drum next week and then have security immediately escort him out of the stadium. Everyone is suggesting that. That's, like, that's, that would that's be like the, so funny to me. That is the most popular. By the way, I asked people, you know, who should bang the drum? That was one of the popular nominees. A lot of people wrote me, like as in themselves. <laughs> 
which is oh. you know, it's like whatever. I thought you meant me as in you Farzine. Uh, no, I would I would hit the drum really hard, and then it would come back strong and hit me in the head. So I don't think that would be a good idea to have me uh, bang the drum at Arrowhead. No, not in the least bit. Plus, it's always like you know former Chiefs players or celebrities. Yeah. So obviously, it's never gonna. No, not at all. Um, Though that said, so, the best idea the pop- I saw to that was yeah. having Neil Smith do it in a Derek Thomas jersey. Yes, that would be pretty much perfection. And a total class move. Like I would love to see that. Maybe even bring out Derek Thomas's mom to like you know just be there. Don't make her try to you know bang the drum because I'm pretty sure that mallet's pretty hefty. Um, but still, like to do something like that as a nod to one of the franchise's all-time greats, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, have they announced who it is going to be? I mean, I know people want Ryan Fitzpatrick to do it, Len Dawson. Some people want Kevin Harlan to do it. Some people want Patrick Mahomes to do it. Uh, which, you know, logistically speaking, that's not really doable. I don't think they've announced that, have they? Not that I have seen, but that doesn't mean it hasn't happened. I do have a knack for insulating myself here in New York where I don't catch stuff right away as it happens. I tend to be a little slower on the uptake. Yeah, I'm that way as well, especially with how busy I've been. Uh, yeah, I don't think they've uh, announced it yet, but I'll definitely post it on social media when they uh, when they do so. But yeah, I mean, look, these are the same people who complain about Brittany Matthews and... You know, I guess she posts a little too much on social media, and I'll, you know, you know, say what you want about that, but it's not like she's doing anything harmful. You know, it, it, there's no harm happening in this guy leaving early and getting fit. If you're truly jealous of, you know, Chuck here, fellow Chuck, guess what? Let's assume best case scenario. The Chiefs win the Super Bowl. There's going to be that Super Bowl parade. Chuck will get his fame once again at the parade. After that, no one's going to give a damn. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but... Like, life is going to go back to normal in a couple days after the Super Bowl parade. So, if you're really jealous of this guy for getting fame, I mean, it's not going to last long. Trust me. I I mean, everyone, he he still wakes up the same way we all do. So, let it go. Trust me. I'm sure everyone's got a lot more pressing issues to be be upset about in their their personal lives. Uh, But, yeah, that was was an insane game. Uh, Biggest comeback in Chiefs history and doing so in a postseason game where you know there's a lot of potential to make it to the Super Bowl. But before they do that, they've got to get through this weird Titans football team, a very one-dimensional Titans team. But one-dimensional or not, they are here in the AFC Championship game. That will take place Sunday at 2.05 Central Time. Tony Corrente will be the referee. Same referee. From, from the first meeting between the two teams this year, Sean Hockley ref the first meeting between the Chiefs and Texans, and then he was the referee in the rematch. Same thing here. Uh, Corrente was also uh, the referee in the first time the two teams met this year. Weather for this game, low 20s, cloudy, winds up to 10 miles per hour. I meant uh, high 20s, by the way, not low 20s, uh, but that can all, always change. Chiefs are, I believe, 7.5 point favorites, if I'm not mistaken. I know I wrote 9.5 here, but I don't think that's... Accurate. I believe they're seven and a half point favorites. Nance, Romo, and Wolfson, they're going to be the broadcast team for this one. As far as the injury report goes, um, so for the Titans, Logan Ryan and Jalen Brown did not uh, practice. Uh, Rashad Evans, Adam Humphreys, Adore Jackson, and David Long were all limited participants. And then wide receiver Cody Hollister was a full participant for the Chiefs. Uh, full participants, Kalen Saunders, Colin Saunders, excuse me, Moore Claiborne, Kendall Fuller, uh, Passanio, Ryder, and Wiley. Again, all full participants. Travis Kelsey was limited, although I would not really worry about that. 
McCoy, LaShawn McCoy and Matt Moore did not practice due to an illness. Chris Jones did not practice because of a calf injury. Okay, let's discuss Chris Jones for a second before we jump into this game. There is this weird rumor from Saran Petro that... Saran Petro of Sports Radio A10, by the way. Uh, Chris Jones injured his calf playing basketball in the locker room. And when the uh, inactives came out and when people when people found out Chris Jones would be inactive... There were a lot of angry Chiefs fans, and my God, thank goodness the Chiefs had a 24-0 deficit to come back from, because if that was not the case, this would have been a messy PR situation. I know Sam Mellinger. Is it Mellinger or Mellinger? I'll be honest, I still don't know. Okay, well, I, I mean, I'm not trying to throw shade in any way. I truly don't know. I believe it's Mellinger. Uh, he, said, he tweeted that from a Chiefs source... That they have heard the rumor and it is, quote, comical, obviously denying it. I, look, I don't, I'm not doubting Saran Petro, man. I'm not. Um, the Chiefs are, Andy Reid was not really happy about answering some of the questions leading up to last week's game about the injury. I think there might be something the Chiefs are hiding. And I think it's an injury that they're not really proud of wanting to display out there. And you know what? If I'm a Chiefs, quote, unquote, source... I would gladly deny it as well because you don't want that kind of thing to get out there in the public. Uh, what do you make of this? I mean, again, not knowing too too much about it, you know the the party line is that uh, you know it was injured on the last play of practice, which perfectly reasonable could easily happen. Uh, but you know, I, I don't understand you know why someone like Petra would make something like this up. You know, don't get me wrong. 810 as a whole has its own set of issues, but Petro isn't one of them. Uh, yeah, Petro's always been you know one of the best in KC as far as I'm concerned. For sure. Um, and so I don't know what incentive he would have to make something like that up. But, you know, it, realistically, I don't think it totally matters. I mean, you know, is it a good look if he did it you know, playing basketball in the locker room? Obviously, no. That's not great at all. But by the same token, like, you know, is it a freak accident that could have happened? You know, I mean, Salvador Perez was out all of last year for the Royals because he was, you know, didn't he fall down a flight of stairs or something carrying luggage or something like that? Yeah, yeah, that, that is correct. Salvador Perez, also a catcher for the Royals, just to be clear, in case no one follows the Royals or baseball, to be clear. Yeah, but point there being is, like, you know what? Stuff happens, man. Like, you know, is it an incredibly inopportune time? Absolutely. But, you know, realistically, I don't think that, I mean, it, you know, we lived to play another day. Hopefully his calf is recovering and he can be, you know, a force there in the middle uh, to, you know, help slow down Derrick Henry a little bit. But, you know, even if he's not, you know, next man up. That is kind of how you have to play it. You know, is it ideal that he's injured? Absolutely not. No one's going to pretend like it is. By the same token, if it truly did happen that way, it strikes me as the sort of, you know, judgment lapse that leads to one maybe getting a little bit of a discount on their impending extension just saying like could end up being beneficial in the long run yeah they'll definitely need him this week because the titans do have uh not a great offense but a one-dimensional offense that can do a lot oh they are great at one thing Uh, yeah that that is, and that is running the football. Uh, you look at how they did this year; they were third in that category. They were tenth in scoring and twelfth in total offense, twenty first in passing, 
And how much of that has to do with Ryan Tannehill, you know, becoming the quarterback, you know, what what was it, six games in, uh, he became the primary quarterback for this football team. What happens if you give him a full offseason? I suppose we'll find out uh, at a later time. But for now, Ryan Tannehill, you know, he's done a good job helping this football team get to where they are in the playoffs. But in the playoffs, he's hardly done anything. Three touchdowns, one pick. Sounds like a lot, but when you look at his total yardage, he had 77 yards against the Pats, 88 yards against the Ravens, and that's because they've been heavily relying on Derrick Henry. Uh, By the way, Tannehill threw for 181 yards against the Chiefs, 13 of 19 in that game. Derrick Henry ran 188. So you mean more than he's done in the entire playoffs? That is correct, yes. Uh, Derrick Henry had 180. Derrick Henry had more uh, yards against the Chiefs then Tannehill had passing yards against the Chiefs. Tannehill had 181 passing yards. Derrick Henry had 188 rushing yards against the Chiefs. You hardly see that kind of thing in the NFL nowadays. But nonetheless, Derrick Henry uh, almost had a 200-yard game against the Chiefs. Tannehill ran for 37. Uh, In the playoffs, Henry has ran 377 yards in two games against the Patriots and against the Ravens, averaging almost six yards per carry this postseason. Also has that touchdown pass, Dontari Post-style. He, of course, led the NFL in rushing yards during the regular season. You've got some interesting receivers. You've got A.J. Brown, who had 1,000 yards this year and has eight touchdowns. He's in the top 10 in touchdown catches this year, but he's only had two catches for 13 yards in the playoffs. Corey Davis and Tajay Sharp, they each have one catch, in the playoffs, Davis has a touchdown grab this year. Uh, offensive line, they've got yeah, a damn he caught good the one offens- from he, he caught the one from Derrick Henry, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, that is correct. He got the one from Derrick Henry. And then that offensive line, everyone pretty damn good except for the right guard, Nate Davis. He's the weak link on that offensive line. But this is a, I mean, this is the shortest offensive rundown we have really put together when breaking down an opposing team because it's all Derrick Henry at this point. And if the Chiefs can find a way to stop Derrick Henry, what do the Titans do? Now, do the Chiefs stop Derrick Henry? That is a completely different point. And listen, I feel like this Chiefs team hasn't been challenged a whole lot uh, during their winning streak against the run. I think the hardest they've been challenged was against the Raiders. And even then, you know, the Raiders eventually had to abandon it because they were getting blown out. I don't think the Chiefs can stop Derrick Henry. I think Derrick Henry is going to have a pretty big game, kind of similar to the one he had last time against Kansas City. Yeah, I think you're probably right on that. But, you know, honestly, like, there's there's almost kind of like, you know, I almost kind of have to admire the Titans in their simplicity because, like, you know, in both games against the Patriots and the Ravens, and I imagine they're going to try to do the same thing against the Chiefs, you know, it's not like they're getting cute and just fooling teams. No, their their trick is... Our offensive line is going to take up as much of your front seven as we can. Uh, you know, we're going to effectively remove them from the play and try to get Derrick Henry, you know, with a full head of steam going up against a defensive back, which is to say a defenseless defensive back at that point, because <laughs> Derrick Henry is a giant. Uh, I, if you can find me a safety that's you know six three two fifty in the NFL today, I'll tell you no, no, you can't. Uh, Cam Chancellor retired a long time ago. Uh, and so, you know, realistically, like, yeah, most defensive backs, I mean, you saw what happened to Earl Thomas. Uh, yep. and if you, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't seen it, just go ahead and YouTube it. You'll see Derrick Henry through masterful use of the stiff arm, effectively turn a would be tackler into a lead blocker that he, you know, effectively, you know, has his arm in the middle of 
Earl Thomas's back and is pushing him forward as one would use a you know tackling dummy or something like that. So I mean, don't get me wrong, not not enough can be said for the dominance that is Derrick Henry. By the same token, you know he can be stopped. The trick is you know uh, it's like a you know in the comic books and I'm going to show my nerd side here a little bit. You know, in the X-Men comics, there's a villain called the Juggernaut, who his trick is, you know, once he gets momentum, he's pretty much impossible to stop. He breaks everything in his path, Hulk style. That's pretty much Derrick Henry, to a T. Uh, if you can quick, you know, get him in the backfield before he can get a full head of steam, great. He can't actually be stopped. He does actually look mortal at that point. But uh, they make that pretty difficult to do because the, you know, their blocking schemes are designed to get him, you know, into the defense, you know, just to effectively get him to, you know, what they call second level, so, you know, you get the front seven knocked out of the way and leave Derrick Henry alone against the secondary and let him do what he does. You know what's interesting? they've done it amazingly so far. Uh, When the Chiefs and Titans were playing, Ryan Tannehill had barely even, he had had not started many games for the Titans at the time, Derrick Henry, if I recall correctly, he was averaging just 3.8 yards per carry for the Titans at the time, which wasn't very good. He was on the top 10, um, but obviously that's not the ideal average. And I don't know what happened, but that average went up as he, you know, continued to dominate and led the NFL in rushing yards. And I don't know what exactly uh, the quarterback change has done. I, I watched the Titans snap for snap. They're obviously a team that kind of creeped up on all of us uh, as the season went along, but... Uh, this is a this is a defense that have really found ways, or excuse me, an offense that found ways to just dominate uh, one dimensionally. And again, not ideal, but it got you to the AFC title game. You're one of four teams that is still standing right now, so it has worked one way or another for the Titans. And you're definitely going to need a defense, uh, whether Chris Jones is ready or not. You're going to have to do something to try to stop him in the middle because that is what he loves to attack the most. Uh, it's almost like a UFC fighter. You know, I, I know I make a lot of UFC references, but there are a lot of fighters who are like, man, I, I don't want to win the easy way. Let, let's go. Let, let's go toe-to-toe. Let's uh, beat the hell out of each other. Let, uh, you know, hit me, I'll hit you. Uh, that's kind of what I think of when I think of Derrick Henry. He loves to go up the middle and try to challenge some of these defensive linemen uh, and, and try to get his yards through the middle. So very interesting. I, I'll be curious to see how that pans out, especially if Chris Jones is not available that could be where the Chiefs would struggle the most. Uh, defensively speaking, obviously Mike Vrabel, former defensive standout, and you know defensive coordinator Dean Pease, they're going to have this defense ready. 12th in points per game allowed. Uh, and you look at the ru- rushing game, uh, 12th against the run, very good, but not very good in total defense, and 24th against the pass, and that's where they could struggle here. They'll need some of their guys in the secondary, guys like uh, free safety Kevin Byard, who has five picks this year. He picked off Lamar Jackson uh, last week. Logan Ryan led the team in tackles this year. He had a pick six against Brady. That was, of course, the last pass of Brady's Maybe career, maybe not. We don't know. Looks like he may come back, I suppose. Adoree Jackson, also a very good co- uh, cover corner for the Tennessee Titans. And you look at some and of the guys they have. Quick. Yeah, very good cornerback. Uh, definitely going to be interesting to see how he matches up against some of Kansas City's speedsters. You look at who they have up front. Jarrell Casey, the right defensive end. He's got five sacks and one fourth fumble in the regular season. In the playoffs, he's got two sacks 
and a forced fumble. And, you, and then you have Evans, who I mentioned earlier, who was on the injury report, the linebacker, Wesley Woodyard, both good linebackers on this football team. Uh, what do you make of Tennessee's defense? Uh, what's your biggest takeaway when you look at their defense? I think that, you know, defensively, they certainly have a strong secondary. Is it enough to take away all of the different weapons that the Chiefs can throw at you? I don't think so, and I think that we saw as much in the last game that we played against them because uh, that was one of Mahomes' best performances uh, up up to this point, really. Like, you know, he was first, that was his first game back from injury, and he threw for 400 plus yards. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is a team that definitely gives up some yards. I mean, heck, even, you know, this past weekend against the Ravens, they gave up 580 yards of offense. Um, but what they're really good at doing is they're good at, you know, slowing you down in the red zone and forcing yeah. you into field goals instead of touchdowns. Because realistically, you know, obviously the comedy of errors that took place at the end of the last Chiefs-Titans game, um, you know, are immediately to blame. But realistically, <laughs> we wouldn't have been in that situation if we had taken care of business in the red zone earlier on. Um, and, you know, they're good at turning you over as well. I mean, Kevin Byard is one of the best in the league when it comes to having a nose for the ball. Um, and, I mean, that's why they beat the Ravens, plain and simple. It's not that they shut down that, you know, prolific Ravens offense. It's that they bent, but they did not break. Uh, which, you know, I know is an old Romeo Cronellism, but this Titans defense is a pretty good example of it. Uh, you know, to, the fact that they gave up 580 yards in only one touchdown is pretty amazing to me. Uh, and, you know, I think it, I, I don't think the Chiefs are going to, you know, totally carve up this defense, but I think that there's, there's enough holes in it that the Chiefs should be okay. Um, specifically, you know, I know that Tyreek Hill gave them a little bit of bulletin board material suggesting that you know, they don't really have anybody that can run with them. But let's be honest, when you're the NFL's fastest man, you do kind of get the right to say that. Uh, because you know, even Adoree Jackson, who is one of the fastest defensive backs in the league, you know, sub-4-4 kind of guy, you know, for one, it's hard to run with Tyreek Hill on you know, any given day regardless. But you know, when you think of how you have to do it as a cornerback, you, know, you start out backpedaling and then you have to turn and run and that's the only way that you can really you know be effective in what you're doing and so spoiler alert no one is going to be able to do that with Tyree Kill. the only way they're going to do that is if they you know have Jackson on him uh with the speed that he has and then throw Bayard over the top in bracket coverage uh, which they very well might do and that's all well and good yeah that's certainly an effective way to slow down Tyreek a little bit but what happens then with that is that it leaves open a lot of stuff underneath. So, you know, is Kelsey going to eat again this week? Maybe. Sammy Watkins going to eat this week? Entirely possible. Or are they going to you know, focus on shutting down Kelsey based on what we saw last week and leave stuff open for Hill? Who knows? But it's, you know, very much a pick-your-poison kind of offense that the Chiefs have. And, uh, you know, when you're in that sort of scenario, the only thing that really stops you is, uh, you know, I mean, obviously the drops, we saw that happen last week. Uh, or, you know, if they managed to really get a hard pass rush in on Mahomes. But uh, don't get me wrong, Jarrell Casey is incredibly underrated. He has been one of the quiet, you know, quieter best linemen in the league his entire career. But since he's played in Tennessee on relatively obscure teams, doesn't get a lot of attention. But he's really, really good. He's now kind of on the, uh, you know, definitely on the downhill slide of his career. But he's no slouch. Uh, but... I think that realistically, 
this Titans defense is not enough to completely stop the Chiefs offense. But yeah. if the Chiefs offense stops itself, well, that's a different story. Well, see, that's the thing. I'm curious to see, you know, how Andy Reid handles the receiver snap counts with, you know, you know, this is obviously the biggest game of the season. Uh, you know, obviously the following game, if you can advance to that, the Super Bowl, that'll be an even bigger game. But, you know, you got to have all hands on deck. You, you got to give McCole Hardman more snaps. You know, anytime you can get McCole Hardman and Tyreek Hill on the field, especially at the same time, you know, you mentioned that pass rush right there, Zach. Uh, you, you, you'll you be able to get the ball a little bit quicker, and maybe you have more short passes than those nice, deep, long passes that we're so used to seeing so much with this Chiefs offense, but you'll at least have some of those options, and obviously don't forget about Kelsey, uh, the most reliable tight end in the NFL, the best tight end in the NFL, and with everything he's been able to do. Even when sharing that, you know, sharing that, uh, uh, I guess that spotlight with other players on this offense, he's still able to put up big numbers, so... And that's never an easy thing to do. Uh, quick look at special teams. Darius Jennings, he's handled most of the kick return duties this year. Uh, Adam Humphreys, the punt returner, has not had a punt return this season, or postseason, I should say. Kicker Greg Joseph, no field goals this year in the playoffs just yet. Suckup and Santos have been injured. Uh, former Chiefs kickers, obviously. And then you have punter Brett Kern, who has 12 punts for, uh, uh, I don't know how many yards, but 63 yards, his longest punt in the playoffs this year. A couple interesting things about the this Titans team before we give our predictions. The last six seeds to reach the Super Bowl and win, the 2010 uh, Packers and the 2005 Steelers. Uh, by the way, the Chiefs and Steelers that, that year both... That was Roethlisberger's rookie year, wasn't it? I, I believe his second year. He, he became the, the uh, youngest quarterback to win a, a Super Bowl. So, yeah, uh, he was the uh, youngest... Uh, but I believe that was his second year. No rookie quarterback has ever won a Super Bowl. Casey barely missed the playoffs that year. That was a year Dick Vermeil retired. Uh, the official news came out right before the Week 17 game against the Bengals. Um, by the way, a five seed cannot do this mathematically, but a sixth seed can. Both the Packers and the Steelers beat a one, two, and three seeded team to go to the Super Bowl. And the Titans are wanting to do the same exact thing. They won. By the way, not, not only are they looking to do to do the whole 3-2-1 seed beating, but they have turned the New England Patriots and the Baltimore Ravens as back-to-back, not just wins, road playoff wins. Think about that. You're, you're, you're on the road playing the Patriots and the Ravens. You know, playoffs on the road, not easy to do, and the Titans managed to pull it off. Um, the Patriots won, probably not as impressive. I think that was kind of a popular upset pick for a wild card round, but the but Ravens? Still to do it in Foxborough is still a big deal. Oh, for sure, for sure. But the whole Ravens thing, I mean, everyone lost their mind thinking that. I mean, I, I don't know what was crazier. The Chiefs and Texans game, I mean, from an objective standpoint, of course, I'm trying to say. The Chiefs and Texans comeback? Or the way the Titans just looked against the Ravens. Or maybe the way how Baltimore looked in that game. Uh, a lot of craziness uh, from that football game. By the way, couple interesting facts here. Maybe not fun ones. Andy Reid, 1-5 all-time in conference championship games. 1-4 with the Eagles. 0-1 with Kansas City. <laughs> this one's kind of funny. Uh, Andy Reid is... Well, this part's not funny. He's 1-8 against the Titans all-time. Only time he beat them was in 2013. His first year with the Chiefs when they... Started off 9-0. and 
Uh, he was asked about the one and eight start against, or the one and eight record against the Titans all time. He goes, "Quote: They're all very different. That's a heck of a record, though, isn't it? Not very good." And got to crack a few laughs from the media there. Uh, look, man, this Titans team, yeah, they're the quote unquote easy team. Ryan Tannehill is not great, but they're here for a reason, and they beat. As you mentioned, the Patriots and the Ravens on the road in Foxborough and in Baltimore. This is not going to be a cakewalk. I think they're going to be a, a tougher team than the than the uh, than the Texans for sure. And look, forget about the the whole you know the bad luck against the Titans. I'm forgetting about that. I know I mentioned that before, but this is the best Titans team the Chiefs have faced compared to the last three times. They're maybe not a whole lot different from the last time we faced them. That's fair to say, but. They're at least, they, I mean, they, they've got everyone's attention now. That's the biggest difference. So I'm curious to see how this all pans out. As far as my prediction goes, I'm going Kansas City. It's not going to be easy. I think there, there are going to be some uh, some moments in this game where it's going to be difficult. But I'm going to go Kansas City wins this football game. I'm going to say 35-31, Kansas City. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with 35-28 on that. Um, and I think that ultimately, like as long as the Chiefs, you know, the, uh, the real key for us to, you know, get this dub here is to, you know, essentially contain Henry. You don't have to stop him, but you do have to slow him down a little bit. Uh, and the best way to do that is to get a lead out on him uh, and, you know, hopefully make them have to throw the ball a little bit. Though that said, Tannehill's no slouch. Uh, but I think, you know, more important even than that is, uh, you know, I hope Spags is getting creative this week with a bunch of different yes. ways to... You know, draw up a bunch of you know stunts on the defensive line to kind of disrupt. Uh, you know, like I like I mentioned earlier, you know, if you can cut down Henry in the backfield, uh, you know, obviously it's a lot easier to stop him. Uh, and so I think the more stunts, the better uh, to get defensive linemen in there to you know just kind of you know cut off Henry before he gets any level of momentum. But then I'd say probably the most important part for the Chiefs to get this win actually doesn't have anything to do with the defense or stopping the Titans at all. It's, you know, they got to be efficient in the red zone. You know, the offense, you know, can't settle for field goals because ultimately that's what kind of did in the Ravens uh, and part of what did us in last time. You know, if we're able to score touchdowns, you know, when we go get into the red zone, uh, you know, we, we should be able to beat this team. And I think that we're going to do so to, you know, the tune of 35-28. All right, so you have our predictions for the AFC Championship game. We're both expecting a Super Bowl appearance as far as who the Chiefs could play in the Super Bowl. Packers at 49ers. 49ers are the seven-point favorites. Um, I'm going to go with the 49ers in that one. I, I just really like their defense. I, I know Jimmy Garoppolo's not the flashiest quarterback out there. I get that. But I feel like Aaron Rodgers in that Packers offense, you know, we saw them... Kind of have a difficult time against that Seahawks defense. Uh, I, 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 have, I haven't been a big fan of this Packers offense. I think this 49ers defense is going to find ways to limit the Packers. And I think it's going to be a one-sided NFC Championship game. I'm going to go to the 49ers in this one. I'm going to say it's 27-10. Yeah, I don't know. I just, yeah, I, as I was kind of thinking about this, you know, after I saw the rundown come out. You know, I, I just struggle to, I mean, realistically, you've got kind of the, uh, you know, unstoppable force and movable object sort of scenario where I don't like, you know, the notion of betting against Richard Sherman or against Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. Uh, just because, 
you know, realistically, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, while he's certainly not at the peak of his powers, is still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I mean, you know, I remember against the Chiefs that absolute dime he dropped to Aaron Jones in the very back corner of the end zone. It was just, you know, a reminder of, like, yeah, this guy is still one of the greatest quarterbacks ever to play this game. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of quarterback that you have to have to win in the playoffs. And I think that, you know, certainly the Niners' defense is better than the Packers' defense, though the Packers' defense isn't too bad either. I think that, you know, it'll be a question of strength versus strength, you know, on, on each side here. I think that the Pack's going to be able to get it done. Uh, and I'm also kind of hoping that's the case because then the Chiefs can hopefully continue their revenge tour. Uh, you know, having lost to the Texans and then taking care of that, hopefully we'll take care of business against the Titans. And then, you know, we had lost to the Packers earlier in the year too. Would love to avenge that well, as well. well. Hold on, hold on. There, there's a revenge factor in the 49ers game too. Don't forget, D Ford plays there. Yeah, wouldn't it be great to? That would just be so poetic. You know, if it's a you know. Another tight game, and he lines up offsides, and they win. <laughs> he lines up offsides. It'd be hilarious. Uh, that, 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 uh, that'd be a 30 happen. for 30 by itself. Why <laughs> can't D. Ford stay onsides? Or no, offsides. The D. That, Ford that'd story. Be, that'd be funny. Uh, no, that would be the Alex Smith Bowl, the Joe Montana Bowl, the D. Ford Bowl. What what other 49ers Chiefs commonalities can we come up with? I think that's all I've got at the moment. I but, know there's another quarterback in Chiefs history, but my name, his name escapes that right now. But in any event, what's your score uh, for this game? I'm going to go ahead and say that you know it'll be uh, 28-24 Packers. All right, there you have it. Zach and I differ on the NFC Championship game. Uh, before we get to our text messages and wrap up the show, I don't, I don't even know anymore. I mean, sometimes this is I, what happens when you give people who aren't used to having free time this early in the offseason, free time in the offseason. Yep. Here's looking at you, Julian Edelman. Uh, so TMZ broke the news. I'm sure they're going to get video on this soon. I don't I don't think they have now, but you know TMZ will do it. TMZ had video of um, Bill O'Brien, uh, by the way, a popular nominee to bang the drum this Sunday against the Chiefs. Uh, people were, were talking about how, you know, t- TMZ finds everything with Kareem Hunt, and then they found uh, this video of uh, Bill O'Brien cursing at a, at, a, at a fan and flipping him off. And then they got this scoop on Julian Edelman getting arrested for jumping on top of a car and vandalizing it, causing damages. I'll be honest, I did not read up on the story. The headline was good enough for me. Uh, it was yep. just funny, as, as you mentioned, you know, this is a team that, you know, generally they're busy this time of year, but... Edelman found himself to, he found other ways to be occupied, I suppose. The other thing that I thought when I read that headline is, since when is he an Eagles fan? <laughs> uh, this is also interesting. Former Patriots wide receiver, if you can even call him one, because uh, he played, what, I mean, two games? he did play a game. Or a game, I guess. Or maybe uh, two, Antonio, I don't know. Antonio Brown, I don't know what the hell happened. Uh, he went on Instagram Live. And cursed at police officers. I don't know what the situation was, and I it guess he like was they trying were to... removing someone from his property. Yeah, I mean, look, but like he's kids... cussing them out as they do it, which yeah. I don't totally understand. There was a woman involved, and there were kids involved. I don't know the whole scenario here, but what was his process like? Was he like, here, let me film this. I'll be the good guy, and everyone will see that. But it's just as him. I'm cussing out police officers yeah, yeah you're, you're just cursing at police i'd love officers. to say what he said but we can't do that Ugh, so you have to yeah. go find that video yourself uh, i mean we're talking otherwise farzine F-bombs. would have to use his bleep button 
we're talking F-bombs, we're talking the five-letter P-word, I mean, we're talking, you know, every word that George Carlin has ever said in his stand-ups in the book, uh, Antonio Brown used here. Um, And also the one that he can't use, because George Carlin is a white man. I mean... So, there you go. Now you have an idea of all the words that. that he used. Um, what the hell is he doing? I mean, everyone's talking about, you know, is he okay mentally? I, I really don't think so anymore, sadly. Like, that or he was doing a masterful job of keeping it under wraps his entire time in Pittsburgh. But no, I really think that uh, with the way that this has continued to unravel, like, sadly, I think the saga of Antonio Brown ends a la Junior Seau, and I don't say that lightly at all. Um, like, clearly, you know, something is not right with him. And I think that a lot of it is due to the fact that he was completely rattled by that hit from Perfect. Uh, I don't think he's really ever been quite the same after that. You know and, what, man? Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to suggest that, you know, the, I think that it's certainly a testament to, you know, the the fact that these concussions are very real things. Uh, and, you know, especially ones when, when it's repeated, you know, over time and, you know, to have it at quite the magnitude that I think his was that perfect inflicted. I mean, you know, I, I don't know if anybody else remembers watching that video, but, you know, how long he was down, man. Like, you know, it's hard to believe that he that, that couldn't rattle him in some way. So, like, ultimately, you know, you just kind of feel bad for the guy because, you know, he's just absolutely melting down. And, you know, if if he's truly, you know, actually okay mentally and just doing this, well, then I have nothing but questions. But yeah. I think at this point, as it just continues to get worse and worse, um, or his behavior gets more and more erratic, I think it's really hard to point to anything other than, you know, he's kind of losing his marbles a little bit. Well, here's my thing. You know, he made $9 million in guaranteed money from the Patriots. Like, that, he got that. Uh, it was a $15 million contract. Uh, his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, same agent as Tyree Kill, he has defended Antonio Brown quite a lot this year. Um, I don't know if you're Drew Rosenhaus, how long you keep this guy as a client. I, I, I just don't know. And if you do, and if you keep defending him, my God, I hope Antonio Brown is paying you handsomely. Because I don't know if even the best PR director in the world could defend this kind of behavior. Um we see a lot of PR a lot in situations like this. I don't know how the hell you defend this man. Um, yeah, this you guy don't. needs a lot. Realistically, I mean, like, you know, have you seen Rosenhaus come out in support of this latest one? No, I haven't. not at all. I also um, haven't looked, to be fair. But, no, I think that, you know, at this point, you know, Rosenhaus defended him with the Raiders because there was a chance of another payday with the Patriots. Then some of these other things came out, and I think that, you know, Ultimately, as Antonio Brown continued to, you know, mouth off and effectively talk his way out of the league, I think that realistically, as Drew Rosenhaus, you just kind of have to cut bait there and just be like, all right, well, I tried. Uh, Luke Keekley, uh linebacker for the Panthers, uh, the phenomenal linebacker. He is 28 years old and just announced his retirement. And a lot of people are shocked by this. Let me just say this. I, I And Zach, you and I talked about this, and you mentioned some of the names that you know, a lot of young, a lot of players retiring early. Here's my thing. Yeah, sure, he could be making more and more money, but this is, sometimes you just got to think about someone's physical health. And when you're I mean, done, especially 
looking at the Antonio Brown thing we just talked about when it yeah. comes to the concussions, man. Like, they're a real thing. Well, when you're done, and if there's no passion for it anymore, you're done. Um, I am, I'm, not, I'm not saying he doesn't love football. I'm sure he does, but maybe physically it's just not there anymore for him, and I think that could be a big part of it, uh, as well as some of the other young retirees we've seen. Yeah, I think that, you know, in this case, it is, um, you know, he, watching the video, he, you know, suggests that he still, like, very much, you know, in his heart wanted to play, but he also knew that, you know, he wants to be around for a longer time, too, and he has to think about his long-term health, and he has had a history of concussions, uh, as did Andrew Luck, as did Gronk, um, you know, some of the other scary. You know, notable it can be scary early sometimes. retirees. Like, absolutely, and you know what? I honestly, I can't do anything but commend the guy for, you know, I mean, I, I know that as football fans especially, you know, there's such the undercurrent of, oh, yeah, well, you know, look at all of these heroes who, you know, we've seen in the past who, you know, played, you know, look at like Brett Favre, for example, you know, played as long as he could in, until he was a shell of himself, you know, same way with Peyton Manning, uh, you know, same way with, I mean, honestly, the end of, you know, Montana's time in Kansas City, like, let's be real here. You know, some of these Hall of Fame caliber people who, you know, are past their prime, you know, realistically, we could be seeing it with Tom Brady here before too long if he goes out and, you know, plays someplace else. Um, you know, there, I think that there is a dignity in going out, you know, at the peak of your powers, so to speak, as opposed to, you know, becoming a shell of yourself. And, you know, don't get me wrong, it pads the Hall of Fame stats, to say the least. Uh, but, you know, I can't help but commend Luke Keekley for doing what's right for him on a long-term basis, same way that, you know, Andrew Luck did the same. Now, that said, I think Keekley did it better because he didn't do it right before the season started. He's a pretty integral part of that defense. You know, at least this way it gives him a chance to have a full offseason to replace him. Uh, you know, a little better than Luck in that regard. But by the same token, can't fault either man for making that decision uh, for the benefit of themselves and their families in their long-term health. Let's read a couple of text messages here. Uh, let's try to read as many as we can. We got a lot here, so we'll try to respond uh, to as many as we can and uh, fairly quickly as well. Because, like I said, we got a lot here and a lot of good ones. Uh, let's go to Chief from Odessa, Texas, out of the four three two. The Titans don't represent a threat to me. They are a one dimensional team that heavily uh, that depends heavily on Derrick Henry. If they fall behind, it'll be tough for them to depend on Tannehill to keep them close. You know, and he makes an interesting point. I think the other thing is, you know, the Chiefs have gotten off to bad starts. It just takes the right team to not blow that good start if the Chiefs get off to another bad start, that is, and hold on to it. So this is kind of this is going to be a very interesting chess match between Vrabel and, and Andy Reid. Uh, what do you think of that? I mean, I, I see where he's coming from, don't get me wrong, but I think that Tannehill is also pretty underrated because if you look at you know, I mean, A.J. Brown, who was one of the most dynamic receivers, especially in the second half of the league, um, what Mariota throwing those balls to him? So just going to throw that out there, that Tannehill definitely can get it done through the air. I'm not saying that he's, you know, Deshaun Watson. I'm not saying he's Aaron Rodgers or certainly not Patrick Mahomes. But he's perfectly capable. Uh, and so I wouldn't totally underestimate him. But by the same token, I think we all know that, um, you know, they they depend completely on Henry, and we just got to hope that the Chiefs don't fall behind because I think that that's a recipe for disaster. 
Yeah, and I think they'll look at that play where Charvarius Ward, you know, struggled and let Kenny Stills go by, try to implement some more of that, see if they can maybe exploit that empty spot from um, from Juan Thornhill now that Dan Sorensen's there, despite a good game recently. You know Vrabel's going to try to exhaust every opportunity there for sure. Uh, out of the 3-1-3, what a game besides the Onions mistakes that was a real win everyone played a role kelsey made up for the drop pass go chiefs obviously a very excited texture there uh from uh, the i six- assume autocorrect caught obvious and turned it into onions oh okay I, I was thinking onions like you know someone got emotional teary-eyed um i, I was thinking more along that lines but perhaps you have a, a valid point there uh out of the 620 uh, a lot of you guys don't even have your names on here, which is interesting. Um, I owe the Chiefs an apology. I 21 nothing. I said that was it. I had enough. My heart was broken again. I changed the channel. I sat uh, and fell asleep watching The Hangover. I got a text from my friend asking if I was watching. I replied, nope. She said I should because we scored 21 points in like three minutes. I turned the game back. I cannot believe the heart of the team to pull that out. I still don't want to get overconfident, but maybe it's... Uh, or just maybe it's fate. You know, I don't know. Uh, I know some people believe in destiny and fate, and that's okay to believe in those things. I just think now the Chiefs are the more experienced team in the playoffs. Now, again, experience is not everything because look at the Titans. They obviously beat a very experienced Patriots team. Again, I know they were on the downhill uh, decline there, but, uh, you know, the Ravens, again, not a not an experienced team, but a much better team than the, the Titans this year. So, um, you know, you never know if it's fate or destiny or just pure skill. I think it could be a mix of all, you know, sometimes luck plays a hand in these kinds of things, but it's going to be a hard fought battle. That's for sure. I mean, the Titans definitely have earned their spot here in the AFC title game. No doubt. And to be honest, you know, whether it's destiny, fate, whatever, we have Mahomes, they don't. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, I can believe in that to say the least. Uh, let's see, my, uh, 740, my first thought was, oh crap, being down 24 nothing, but being at the game and watching them never count out the Chiefs as long as they have Mahomes, uh, who is running that offense. I don't care if it's 50 to nothing, they're down watching Mahomes have poison in the pocket and great concentration and pocket awareness. He's a huge leader in that locker room and his gameplay and leadership resonated on the field, always complimenting his teammates and greeting them with fives and pats on the back. I'm glad he is our quarterback and no one else's. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I obviously, I'm, I'm glad he's our quarterback. I think we all are. You kind of just mentioned that earlier in this episode, Zach, with the leadership. You know, Pat did some things, uh, you know, to try, try to get his team back in it. And, and you know, uh, the more and more he plays, he's going to eventually be that veteran guy and a veteran leader, of course, and people are going to lean on him even more for years to come. Yeah, and he's he's only going to get better as far as the leadership is concerned. And uh, quite frankly, I've been impressed with what I've seen from him thus far. Don't get me wrong. If we're down 50 to nothing, you know, I, I'm not going to bet on us. But by the same token, I'm never going to get never going to bet against Mahomes. Like if ever there was a quarterback who could come back from something like that, it's probably him. By the same token, that's maybe a little too long of odds for my tastes. Uh, not much to say about this text, but I'll read it anyway. 214, how did I feel about the greatest Casey comeback? Validated. It was clear they were in their heads. Once they started playing ball, there was nothing stopping them. Beautiful. 
And then out of the 270, it's Jeremy. He says, I only sat down about two minutes the whole game. I paced the floor, did, did a set of push-ups, and made many trips up and down the stairs. My wife had to go upstairs to read before the first quarter was over. Hope jo- Chris Jones is back uh, ready to help stop Derrick Henry next Sunday. Go Chiefs. Uh, yeah, we definitely need Chris Jones on Sunday. That is going to be crucial to, st- uh, to stopping Derrick Henry. As far as the whole pacing the floor thing, man, I, I didn't really do any of I that. I get it. To, to me, I, just, I was like, man, is this just another creative way we're losing? Kind of like what you said earlier. Mm-hmm. By the same token, like, yeah, I, I, I get being completely defa- deflated and just not wanting to move or do anything. I was kind of there at one point. Um, by the same token, I also get being stressed and pacing, man. Like, you know, everybody deals with the stress of that, you know, sort of thing in their own way. Hopefully we don't have to do too much of that. Uh, though I did want to jump back to the, uh, you know, the message we got from the 214 there, cause they brought up an interesting point. You know, it did seem like we did kind of get into the Texans heads a little bit, uh, once we started playing well. Uh, I think that that was, you know, I, I mean, certainly not for Deshaun Watson, but you know, across the board, like, you could almost just feel the momentum shift in the way that the Texans players were just like, ah, crap. Here we go. Uh, we poked the bear. He's awake. He's going to eat us. Yeah, you know, by the way, you know a lot of people who are saying, oh, you doubted our team. I mean, come on. Uh, I doubted our team. Come after most, me. I the did. The <laughs> blind homer could not have seen that coming. Come on. Maybe some people don't like to tweet their thoughts right away. Fine, but... By the way, you know how I caught a lot of crap for the whole, you know, I, I criticized and said Andy Reid should be fired if the Chiefs don't win a Super Bowl. You remember that? Yep. Do you know how many Andy Reid should be fired tweets I saw during the first quarter? I mean, I thought I oh, was the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, if if it had continued along those lines, I wouldn't actually have been shocked to see him get fired. Yeah. that. Uh, well, Thankfully, yeah. it didn't, and he didn't. I'm, you you got to wonder what Clark Hunt was thinking, too. Obviously, he, he would play the whole card of, oh, I, you know, we, we had a lot of time left. Yeah, sure. Sure thing. Uh, last text here, Daniel in Florida. He always sends in a good text. 626. If you were the Chiefs and Andy Reid for the game, and if you won the coin toss, would you receive the opening kickoff instead of deferring to keep Henry off the field? I, I see his point here. And you know what? I've been thinking, why don't you receive to start off in the playoffs? Because if you are down 7 nothing, not saying it's the end of the world. Obviously, we saw what happened down 24 points. But it is the playoffs. It's now win or go home. Your season's over. You know, a lead in the playoffs, any kind of lead, is a big deal. But me personally, I'd love it if the Chiefs started off with possession for that reason. But... Andy Reid always, always, always defers when he is uh, when he wins a coin toss. And you know what? I think the the positive thing is, um, you know, when the Chiefs scored twenty eight unanswered, they got the football to open up the second half, so they could score even more to keep pounding on in, in that in that rally there. So Andy Reid's definitely going to defer if he wins a coin toss. Yeah, I, I honestly I'm going to side with Andy on that one simply because I think that you know the momentum swing of coming out of the locker room with the ball is more valuable than starting with it. And I understand both sides of this argument for sure. Like, I don't think either is necessarily 100% right 100% of the time. But I think that you can have just as strong of a momentum swing, if not stronger, uh, if you let the other team come out with the ball, you figure out a way to punch him in the mouth on the defensive side, and then you quick run down and score with Tyree Kill or something on you. 
one of those you know, bomb sort of passes just to kind of break their spirit yeah. right from the get-go. Um, I think that's stronger than coming out and doing that without the defensive stop. Like, yeah, to do that on the heels of a good defensive stop is even more deflating. Yeah, and I and now, I like the, way oh, easier said than done. Let's be clear here, because yeah. this is Derrick Henry we're talking about. Like, I don't expect them to pull that off, but I would sure love to see it. Yeah, it's um, they're going to have a hard time, and I th- I'm expecting another big game from Derrick Henry, and I'll be shocked if the Chiefs do stop him on the ground. Um, you know, my thing is is. Look at Andy Reid in the past. Look at both Patriots games last year. The Chiefs got off to terrible starts in both of those games. The Week 6 Sunday Night Football and then the AFC Championship game. What happened? The Chiefs shut out in both off, first halves. Uh, they weren't shut out. Well, as far as touchdowns go, I think they were shut out in the um, in the in the first meeting. But what happened in the second half the, uh, the to start off in both of those games? Chiefs fired right out of the gate right there. So... You know, Andy Reid and Steve Spagnuolo and, and Eric Bieniemy, they're great at making second quarter adjustments. They're also great at making halftime adjustments. So you always want to defer if you're Andy Reid. I get the I, I, I actually love the, the, the logic there. I do, Daniel. But um, this is just what Andy Reid has always done. And it is the safe move in case you are trailing at halftime. Uh, because that'll give you a chance to shift the tide in the second half. Uh, yeah, you can if, either if come needed. back or you can just keep the throttle jammed down. Lots to cover on this episode. Obviously, a lot we uh, discuss here. We recap the game, gave our predictions. Uh, you're expecting Chiefs Packers Super Bowl one rematch, which yes, would sir. be which would be fitting for the 100 year anniversary, and then. I am picking Chiefs 49ers for our 54th Super Bowl. Uh, it's going to be a fun weekend. UFC 246. I don't. I, I lose track of the numbers sometimes. But Conor McGregor, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's twin brother, uh, he is fighting on uh, on Saturday night, and then it's Championship Sunday. Uh, obviously on Sunday. I mean, what other day would that be on? So uh, a lot. Hey, to I'm not saying to. that he's you know. Conor McGregor's alter ego, but I am saying I've never seen him in the same room at the same time. <laughs> uh, should be a lot of fun. That, that'll be an interesting fight for sure. He's fighting a couple of Kansas City guys are on that card as well. Tim Elliott, I just got a notification. Unfortunately, Grant Dawson had to withdraw. I don't know why. That's kind of a bummer, but uh, Tim Elliott is a KC native. He's from Lee Summit, so definitely check that out if you are an MMA fan and you are going to watch UFC 246 this weekend. Zach? Lots to look forward to. Uh, I think there will be tears either way, win or lose. You know, you might be right on that. I'm just certainly hoping for the uh, tears of joy because you know it would tears be sure nice to uh, you know have that Lamar Hunt trophy you know, returned to its rightful home. Second year in a row, the Lamar Hunt trophy is in Kansas City. They've got to do everything they can to keep it this time in Kansas City. A lot uncovered on this episode. Thank you all for the text messages, 913-808-2119. That is the text line. Text us for next week's show, facebook.com slash Farzimusugan, at Farzim21 on Twitter, at ZStegna, at ChiefsFanshai. If you want to follow DJ and interact with me on Facebook, appreciate all of the interaction on the Facebook page. Obviously, it's been crazy in the past couple of weeks, so greatly appreciate all of you guys who have been doing that. Subscribe to the podcast, share the links, spread the word on social media to your friends about the podcast. There's a couple more episodes left of this great podcast, the first Chiefs podcast to hit the net, coming to an end soon. So be sure you guys uh, spread the word there. And if you guys have any questions about me or about the podcast in general you want to know in the last couple of episodes or a question about Zach or DJ as well, feel free to text that as well 
as we've got just a couple of episodes left for the podcast. I'm Farzi Vasugan. He is Zach Sedna and uh, DJ Evans expected to be back next weekend. Enjoy Championship Sunday. Either way, win or lose, we'll have a lot to discuss. Hopefully, a Super Bowl punching ticket we'll discuss. We'll find out. Enjoy the games. We'll talk to you then.